Welcome to Silly History. I'm Matt Pekarski. I love funny stories, especially when they come from real life. I've compiled a long list of true tales that made me laugh, and now I want to share them with you. There's a lot of crazy stuff historical figures did or said, and yet we've never heard about them. History class would have been a lot more interesting with some of these sprinkled in here and there. Not that I ever disliked learning history. Hopefully there's at least a couple of yarns you haven't heard before. Let's hear one now. Harrison Dyer was behind the house digging a flower bed for his wife. They lived in DuPont Circle, Washington, D.C. It was a beautiful day to be outside and enjoy the fresh air. Harrison preferred working as close to the ground as possible. He never became a geologist or pedologist, but he did become an entomologist, a scientist who studies bugs. He was extremely devoted to his profession, although much of it stemmed from hubris. He worked for the Smithsonian Institution, and over the course of his career, he personally named around 3,000 insect species, cataloged 6,000 varieties of butterflies and moths, and is attributed with creating the standard for predicting the number of stages in an arthropod life cycle based on the head width of larvae. Even in the world of entomology, you may find a diva in any group of scientists. Harrison was just that within his circle of peers. He was obsessive by nature, and he liked to stir the pot amongst his colleagues to avoid a monotonous work environment. One was so disgusted with him that he vowed to no longer associate with the Smithsonian until Harrison was gone. Harrison believed that his work was so important that the Smithsonian's process to publish his work was too bureaucratic and protracted. His undertakings and discoveries needed to be out in the scientific world, read, marveled at, and utilized. But on that one day in 1906, Harrison enjoyed the simplicity of digging the flowerbed. He found it relaxing, the swirling vortex of information overload, workplace drama, and other personal issues were clearing from his overstuffed head. It provided an outlet for mental relief. Eleven years passed, during which Harrison moved out to California for a few years and then back to Washington. On the same block as his first home in the capital city, a set of luxury apartments were being constructed. Workers were digging out the foundation for the new building when they uncovered a 100-foot-long brick tunnel. No one knew why it was there. It wasn't a part of any old blueprint or municipal plan. The story of the inexplicable find was solely published by one newspaper for a single run, and was immediately forgotten after. No one cared about the strange occurrence at the time. America was officially entering World War I. The Selective Service Act was passed the day before the article was published, and families across the nation were now preparing to say goodbye to the young men in their lives, who would now be drafted into the military and shipped to Europe. Another seven years passed, including the war, and a truck was driving through the alleyway behind the Pelham Court luxury apartments. Suddenly, a tire sank into the ground, and in that moment, the tunnel was rediscovered, having never been filled in after its initial discovery. This time, the eyes of the public were laser-focused on the secret passageway. Further exploration discovered multiple levels to the tunnel. Why were they there? Who used them? Speculations ranged from bootleggers to war spies. A couple of days passed when finally Harrison admitted to the press that he was the mysterious miner. Why? Because as he put it, digging tunnels after work is my hobby. There's nothing really mysterious about it. Back when he was breaking up soil for the flower bed, he mindlessly dug until he was six feet into the ground. He paused to observe the walls of compressed soil surrounding him, and then he continued to dig, dig, 
and dig some more. He couldn't stop once he had started. It was an overwhelming urge, an itch he needed to scratch. His obsessive personality had found a new fixation, one that would be continuously satisfied for almost a decade. The tunnels were never meant to be a secret. His son Otis and his neighborhood friends played in them before moving out to California. He put a pause on his simple yet unorthodox hobby during his time in California, but wasted no time in starting up again after moving back. Under his second home, he tunneled downward until he hit the water table. There were multiple levels, lined with brick and featuring arched ceilings, and two vertical concrete shafts with iron pipes installed to create ladders. To ensure that no one trudged through the subterranean halls in utter darkness, he installed electrical lighting. He sculpted and situated multiple busts of people and animals to add culture to the otherwise cold and crypt-like atmosphere. And as a final touch of ambience, in perfect harmony with his ego, he inscribed on one of the tunnel arches a quote from Virgil, Facilis descensus Averno. The way down to the lower world is easy. Thanks for listening. If you liked this episode, please subscribe, give it a five-star rating, and share with not one but two of your friends. If I haven't told your favorite silly story from history, send me an email at nightowlbroadcasting at gmail.com. Subject, Silly History Story. This show is a Night Owl production and made possible thanks to donations by you, the listener.